Hello and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So let's delve right in. Hello, welcome everybody. We are going to be talking about Parshas Lech Lecha and the topic of chosenness. Chosenness. It's not a word, but the idea of being a chosen people or a chosen one, as in the Matrix, the chosen one. And it, like, there's a whole bunch of chosen, the yeah. chosen son, the chosen this. There's like being the chosen is like a big thing in a lot of different genres. Yeah like the survivor have you ever watched the survivor no i wouldn't do that i didn't either <laughs> but i there's a it's a tv show where like the whole world is basically dying i think and someone has to survive or something i don't know anyway sounds familiar like like a <laughs> pretty used theme but the reason why i was thinking about it is because today we went to the voting booths to choose our next leader so I was thinking about choice and chosenness. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> I said, this is a good place to talk about the idea of chosen and chosen people. Um, because this is Parashat Lech Lecha's, it's the beginning of seemingly the choosing of Abraham, of Avraham Avinu. Um, because he becomes the patriarch of the chosen people, right? So I know that chosen people makes people uh, makes people wary and nervous because I think we all feel if somebody says <clears throat> I'm chosen, assuming we would all understand what that meant, we would all feel probably a bit nervous that this person is doing making a power play, that there's really nothing to what he's saying, and he's just saying you need to obey me. You need to take me seriously. You need to let me lead. I'm the chosen one. Maybe some people would accuse some politicians in this round of being of saying things like that, even though they're not saying it, but they're basically saying, I am chosen, you know, to be the leader. Why are you chosen? What does it mean to be chosen? What is the extent of of the definition of being chosen? What does it imply? Not I clear. Think, I also think people are very hesitant to say the chosen people or chosen anything, because especially now where everyone's trying to be very, very um, neutral about the roles that we play in life and who we are and how we identify and, you know, all the more um, recent ideological development. I think that if someone says that they're special or they're chosen, um, then it, automatically means the bringing down of someone else or that you're better than someone else. Right. If it's, so if it's relative to someone else, that's what makes everybody wary. And it would make us wary too, because, <clears throat> you, I mean, if you could imagine to yourself that you would rely on a source that everyone would agree to, that would say, look, this person is a leader because they're chosen to be leader. That means they have certain advantages, certain privileges. Um, certain responsibilities, but basically it means that they can tell you what to do and they can somewhat exercise control over you. 
Um, so then, okay, it's possible. I mean, it happens, right? It happens all over the place. I mean, um, if you look at China's elections now, it's much... They have elections? Well, it's they're part of party. Well, they have party elections. So supposedly the 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 supreme leader, Xi, is XI, however you pronounce that, is supposed to be um, leaving. He was supposed to have left because you, you only have two term limits of five years. But now he's going, he's already extended his rule because he's a master, you know, uh, po political craftsman. And he basically made moves and he, he's a... Uh, so people are scared that he's going to get into this idea. He, he's the longest uh, straight uh, ruling leader of China uh, besides Mao Zedong. So since the Communist Party took control of China. So people are worried about it because he's going to get, you know, power corrupts. And he's going to start thinking that he has much more power than he really should absolute have. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's not absolute power, but it's, 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 it's probably the most powerful person on the planet at this point. Because in terms of the scope of his power and how, over how many people he rules um, and with what, in what way he rules, he's probably the most powerful person on the planet. Mm -hmm. So backtracking it up, though. So he's going to feel he's going to be chosen because... People talk themselves into chosenness when they look around and they see, look, they have uncontested power. And even if it's somewhat contested, but it's not contested enough to make them feel that threatened. So they become, they begin to feel like, oh, uh, this must be real. I mean, this is like real power. This is, some people even have it before they take that position. They feel that they were, you know, born for this and they, and there's become very uh, single-minded um, about uh, what needs to happen because they need to be the one. And even though no, no one told them and it wasn't a consensus that they need to one, maybe they have a few friends that say, you know, you're a natural leader or whatever it is. But if you look at all the despots of the world, you know, they had some kind of a vision of grandeur for themselves for sure because they thought that they were the chosen ones. So those things, all of those memories and thoughts and and conjuring up uh, history makes us nervous because it it reeks of it reeks of corruption it reeks of manipulation it reeks of exploitation it, it, it reeks of you know racism it reeks unjust yeah it just it just reeks mm -hmm. so the question is what does the uh, chosen people thing mean um i was just looking up that's why i was laughing to myself before because i was looking up like how many peoples have claimed to be a chosen people. I think that this list is not exhaustive, but it was funny because it says on the list is the traditional religion of the Maasai people from East Africa maintains that the Supreme God Nagai has chosen them to herd all cattle in the world. And this belief has been used to justify stealing from other tribes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> you know, I can imagine how that happened. You know, like one guy's like really hungry one day and he's just like kind of ripped off. The, he like did some, <laughs> some cattle rustling, you know, one morning he ripped off uh, his neighbor, <clears throat> some neighboring dude from like two heads of cow, heads of cattle, whatever. And then they're like, oh, what are you doing? He's like, we're, well, we're the bosses around here. We steal cattle as we wish. Because we, we were appointed <laughs> cattle rustlers of the entire Africa and the world. 
I mean, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> it's sad and hilarious at the same time because it actually these things actually happen. That so, being a funny example, but there are plenty of examples of very intense cults and and well, Christianity has said that they they took over. People were willing to you know go with the with the Israelite Jewish claim for a while for a millennia or two, and then other religions sprouted up, and they said, for example, that they were the ones that were the uh, like Christianity. Um, certain sects of Christianity say that they are the you know, if not all of them. Um, <clears throat> They are the chosen ones now. They became chosen. Right, like it's a chain of chosenness. Right. The Jews and the Christians and the Muslims. It's a succession, or it's a supersessionism, right? So, like for example, the Latter-day Saint, Latter Saints do not dispute the chosen status of the Jewish people. Most practicing Mormons receive a patriarchal blessing that reveals their lineage in, in the house of Israel. This lineage may be blood through related or through adoption. In any case, whatever. They, they you know, there's a widely held belief that most members of the faith are in the tribe of Ephraim or the tribe of Manasseh. I was wondering about the, the Mormons. Mormons. I read a couple of books like memoirs with people who were Mormon and they read <clears> a lot of Tanakh. So I was wondering what the connection was. Interesting. Mm -hmm. In any case, just to talk about some ideas of this, I, I think... I think in order for it to be palatable, the idea of chosenness, first of all, we have to know what the source is. What, what is the source that the, um, that if we're talking about the Israelites, the Jewish people claiming that they are the chosen people, where chosen does that come from? Chosen for what also? Right. So chosen, so where does it come from? So there are expressions like that in the Torah, but it says that God, he says to the Jewish people, I chose you from other nations, right? I chose you. We say in the, in the prayer, Atavakartanu, we claim to God. We, we're, no, it's very important to say we're not claiming this to other people. We're not trying. It, there's no uh, platform where officially we say to other people, we are the chosen ones. But we, when, we, when we talk to God in order to thank God for our role, we say, you chose us from other nations, right? And there are one or two references to that in the Torah, that we were chosen but it doesn't say, first of all, why we were chosen, right? Which is mo more of the interest that we're going to talk about here. And it doesn't say exactly um, what that means vis-a-vis -vis other people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, so when we talk about choosing, um, or sorry, being chosen, you know, what does that say about other people? That's also probably the more important thing. You know, so it's just like if you can imagine a classroom or, or a household where one of the children says, I was chosen to take care of the books, right? Right, so no, the other kids, generally speaking, don't have a problem with that because they know, first of all, that this, the, 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 ch the child is not making it up. The teacher chose them. They're on the chart. You know, there's a, uh, there's a duties chart. So the chart says that's the authority is the teacher and it says exactly what they're chosen for so maybe there's a child in the class that says oh i wanted to be a book whatever but they'll probably get over it because maybe they'll think they'll get it later or they'll get some other thing or it doesn't mean that if the person is if the child is chosen to do the books it means that they can exercise control over everybody in the classroom mm -hmm. at best they can ask for 
some collaboration that, you know, person should chalk up his book so that he can put it away or whatever it is. Because right. he has to do his job. Mm. Right. Now, um, ideally, of course, I think Judaism also, even though there is some dispute here amongst thinkers, but um, ideally the, the chosen for what, I don't think is so much the issue. I think it's easy to get out of that issue. Because the chosen for what is chosen for your special responsibility. But then everyone's chosen, technically, because everyone has a special responsibility, wouldn't you say? Um, in what sense? Everyone has a special, you mean because you're born with certain talents, that kind of groove? Yeah, meaning, you know, everyone here does something different. So you can say that everyone really has a responsibility to bring in whatever it is that's unique to them. Um, well, that's great. So the difference that we're saying, I mean, I can go along with that. The difference that we're saying is that if you're talking about a nation being chosen, you can ask the question, what would it mean to be a nation that's chosen? I mean, each person is different and each person has their own chosenness, right? If they believe in God and they believe there's a purpose in the world, so they believe that they were born a certain way and their responsibility is to capitalize on what they've been given to make the best of it. That's a chosenness feeling. Right. So what's the poorest purpose of being part of a chosen nation? The answer to that is, is that there's, there's a definition of the nation that's different. That this nation has a different tafkid, uh, it has a different purpose, has a different calling, has mm -hmm. a different responsibility. I think understanding what that responsibility is is, is important. I don't, I don't think I could just be like, it doesn't really matter what we were chosen for. It's just... No, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying, but it's easy, to, it's easy to get around that so that it doesn't upset the general sensitivity towards chosenness. Because it's just like being in a... It should be, it should be, just like in the classroom, where the, there's, let's say, there's 70 nations of the world, just for classical sake. We'll say 70, 70 classic nations in the world. So one of the nations says, our job is to disseminate the presence of God in the world. Your job might be to make infrastructure of cities. I don't know. Your job might be to take care of the livestock of the planet, like these people in the East Africa thought, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It, it, they can say whatever they want, but I'm just saying... It, it, as, as terms of the sensitivity that we all have of like, are we, is it about lording over other people? And the answer is not necessarily. It's, it, that doesn't necessarily create discord if people are willing to think about the chosen idea for a second. They might realize that chosen doesn't necessarily mean, therefore, I exercise control over you and I can tell you what to do. In as much as my job is to do whatever it is, and if that implies that I need your cooperation, I'm going to ask you for your cooperation. And if, and if I'm really feeling that it's like my job to make sure that it happens, I'm going to be a little bit more forceful because I think that's... So that's the worst, you know, conflict that can cre be created. But so if, if you have a chosen people that God says to them, I'm cho choosing you to, to, to do what? Well, in the, before the giving of the Torah, he says, I'm asking you to be a holy nation, right? I'm asking you to be a special nation. I'm asking you to represent the idea of God in the world through ethics and morals 
through talking about God, through creating more consciousness of what God is. Mm-hmm. So God should be an Elohim, right? There's a lot of references to that in the Torah. That God, that the reality of God should be something that people deal with. Should be people should be conscious of it, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's the Jewish idea, right? So, okay. So why would somebody feel that 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 impinges on them necessarily? Let them teach. Let them carry out their mission. The, the only time will ha- well, the only thing will happen is like what happens if the Israelite Jewish nation has hegemony over X, Y, Z different places that, and, and in, under their rule are people that don't want to go along with this God thing. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Well, that's the land of Israel. I mean, because there are plenty of laws that when uh, the, the original commonwealth of the, of the Israelite people was established, there, was, there were laws to determine who and what can be done in their nation inside their walls of their land, so to speak, or inside their mm-hmm. boundaries of their land. Right, but otherwise it doesn't, I don't, I don't recall seeing anywhere the, like we spoke about this on one of our first podcasts about like uh, proselytizing, like. Right, we're not we're out not, to. We're not out to get people, we're not out to control other people, we're just, it seems like almost as if it's more about setting an example. Yes, we're out to lead by example. Mm-hmm. So if, if there's going to be people in the, the far reaches of the world that might have heard of the Jewish example, but they don't want to follow it, we're not going to go make an expedition to mm-hmm. conquer them and proselytize them. Right. Like other monotheistic religions are have been known to do. Mm-hmm. So they need to conquer big swaths of area and make sure that all the people in these areas that they're conquered have basically been subjugated to their religion in one way or another. Mm-hmm. The Jewish religion doesn't do that. Now, that's what we talked about. But the chosenness aspect should be that whatever the chosenness is, is basically a tafkid, as we say in Hebrew. It's a, it's, a, it's a job. It's a job. You've been chosen for to do something. Because if you believe in God, there's no such thing as God saying to all the people of the universe, look, I made you all different, true, but that doesn't make one better than the other. It's like a pine tree saying to an oak tree, you know, I'm better than you because I got really cool green things coming out. Like what, you know, and I can poke people with it. You know what I'm saying? Like what, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the same idea in the sense that if you're, if you're in a God universe, I feel anyway, that there's no such thing as saying essentially these people are different than other people essentially. Different or better? Better, different and better. Different and therefore better, uh-huh. right? D- different that makes better. So first of all, if just looking at the Jewish nation today, you realize that we're a hybrid of so many different peoples, really. Right. That we're not cultures. We're an original people in the sense in in idealistic terms. It's in terms of belief, but we've morphed very much. I mean, like we always say, when you come to the land of Israel today and you look around, you're like. You see people that are representing all four corners of the earth. People, really, literally, I mean, Jews have been living for centuries in many different places of the world, in, in all different areas. And, w- and when they come back to Israel, you see this incredible diversity of people with different customs from different lands, still, generally speaking, maintaining their identity as Jews. Otherwise, generally speaking, they wouldn't be coming here. Um, which is amazing. So it's not, what are you going to say, that all these people that have been living for centuries, sometimes millennia in different places, are essentially different because they come from a certain race? 
like essentially different and better because they come from a different race, like it's very, very hard to believe such a thing. Just rationally. I'm not even talking about anything else. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes, how much does the, in this area, in this particular point, how much does the chosenness to do a particular job exalt you or change you? That's really the issue. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to the simple example of the monitors in a classroom, right? So there's, when, a, when a, you know, a discerning student looks at them, you know, the, you know the, the one out for justice, there's always that usually the girl who's like Mrs. Justice, Miss Justice. So she's looking at all the jobs and she goes like, let's say there's one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, ten jobs. Okay. This one, put it back the erasers. This one, okay. The, one of them is um, uh, be president of the class job, right? Mm -hmm. So she's going to be like, you know, wait, what doesn't belong here on this list of 10? Like, everybody's doing these jobs, but like this job is like hitnasut, right? That's like exalted. That's an exalted job. That's about lording over other people job. Mm -hmm. So I don't like that because that makes me nervous, thinks this little girl, right? Right. Or she says, well, I want to, why, why this person? Why not me? Mm -hmm. Should be me. Or, or you know, class. Every, everyone should be president. Right. Shouldn't have a president. Creates jealousy. So in other words, what, what, you know, going back to the f almost fratricide of the brothers, you know, uh, the sons of Jacob, the sons of Yaakov, where, where did this appointment come that Yosef is going to be the leader, that Joseph is going to be the leader? Like, where did that come from? You know, and he's, well, why should he lead over us? Who says we need a leader? Uh, you know, right? We're all brothers. Let's just function as brothers, taking different responsibilities. Why should one lead over us? Or why should it be him? Right? It's, it's the story of the world. Mm -hmm. So, so again, so some people will say, okay, so whatever you just said before, like, let's forget about that because it's not going to make anybody feel better just because you say, well, we're just chosen because we have a particular responsibility. So what are you getting all bent out of shape about? You think because at the end of the day, even if it's a different responsibility, it still gives you a certain amount of power or control or um, because by definition, special ability that other people don't have. Right. Because by definition, somebody will say, yeah, well, you're claiming to have the responsibility of spreading the, you know, the idea of God in the world and his ethic and his moral, you know, through however, whatever medium. And that's huge. <laughs> like what it's left for us to do, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like if it's you, does that mean we don't need to do that? We just need to follow? Like, can we do it too? If we can do it, are we part of you also? Like is, right. what is that? So, you know what I'm saying? Those are questions that can make somebody uncomfortable too. Like, what is the role? What is our role exactly? If you guys are claiming this de very defined role or somewhat very maybe generally defined role, and when, then what's our role? So where do we fit in? Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is that Judaism doesn't really have an answer to that. What about the like Sheva Mitzvot Noach? Right, so in that sense, that's a good argument to say. The truth is that everybody, and that's what I would argue, is that everybody has the role. 
if it's good, everybody has the role. Or if it's, if, it's, if it's a good thing to do, to believe in God, because ultimately God, the ex existence of God, the idea of God creates purpose and meaning in the world. And morality. And morality is much better for humankind to believe in such a thing, right? Um, with some guidance, of course. So if you can want to take part in that, go right ahead. That's great. Who wouldn't want that to happen? It's not like the monitor in the class is like, I'm the only president here and no one shall lift their finger, you know, one, you know if I'm here, you know, no, no one has power. That's, it's not about power, it's about getting the job done. So if you're a real dedicated servant, so you're just making sure that the job is done. So you don't really care about who does it. Different people can do it in different ways. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is that the definition of Judaism for the Jews? That it's saying the Jews have the, ability, the necessity to spearhead, perhaps, this effort. And you can say, and perhaps in Jewish history, the Jews have spearheaded this effort. They have created the idea of God in the world as a nation. They spread the idea. Spread the idea of that God communicates a certain type of moral and ethic for the world and therefore purpose and meaning and consequences to what we do, etc., and other religions, major monotheistic religions and other religions have picked it up and taken it. And then some people ask the question, well, if that has been done, so then do we have a special mission anymore? Is it just to keep doing the same thing with a certain urgency? Do we need to, you know what I'm saying? That, those are questions that we're not going to be able to answer right now. Those are like bigger, bigger, bigger questions. Mm -hmm. Basically, I think we've exhausted this part of that converse, of the conversation of the, in the sense of chosenness for what? We will have to start with the premise that chosenness means being chosen for a particular function, for a particular job, for a particular purpose, which in and of itself it doesn't doesn't, shouldn't ruffle anybody's feathers unless you say that that particular function is like impinging on on me and my role like if, if you're you're taking over my role of what i think my role is in, in the world if, if you're assuming that that's your role not my role to which we can say that judaism doesn't necessarily say that judaism says like as long as it's happening and as long as you're you as the jewish people are taking it seriously and being consistent with your beliefs and and trying as much as possible to inspire the rest of the world to understand and to comply with these beliefs so then, if other people want to take leading roles, go right ahead. You can join the choir kind of attitude. Right. It does, it's not about who's in front or who's in charge or who's whatever. Now, that will make other people on the other side of the, of the uh, aisle probably a little bit uncomfortable because it doesn't leave it clear for us today as Jews what exactly would be our role in particular to today, mm -hmm. if that's the case. If really anybody can join and anybody can can do we need to teach Torah values because only, you know, we're the ones who've been carrying the torch of study of the Torah and understanding of the Torah and the Bible to the entire world? Is that particularly our... But if that information is open for everyone or it's very, very much more open today, if somebody else wanted to take that, like, what would we say to that? Mm-hmm. Is it just inward? Is our chose is the chosenness just to be inward, to, to be consistent with our beliefs and just continue being consistent with what we believe in? So then it's not a chosenness vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world. It's just being consistent and coherent. 
I think there is a big level of consistency, though. I'm saying it's, if you're taking the the stance that really our job here is to spearhead the belief that there is one God and that he controls the world and he expects certain behavior from us. Um, and then anyone who wants to join that is is welcome to and, and celebrated. Um, but then there's also, I think, as we see the world today, the, the idea of monotheism has been around already for thousands of years at this point. Um, and the belief in God and doing goodness and morality. And yet still morality changes and shifts and there are still deviations that are pretty major to the idea of, of monotheism and, and doing right and morality. Um, and I think that therefore there's the, there is a job that has to get done about consistency, about just because you believed it or the idea was introduced now doesn't mean that you leave it and let everyone go and do what they want with it. Because I think that as, a, as human nature, it's, it's natural and expected that things morph and change and switch, and, and then it's about how I feel about things and what I think, and then it's about rationalism, but then it's about doubting, and then it's about this. So I think that it's always going to be necessary to have um, to have a people or someone or whatever it is that the example or the uh, ideal that is being, um, I don't want to say pushed, but that, that is being brought into existence has to stay consistent. And therefore, I think that we have mitzvot because mitzvot are, the commandments are um, the practical ways in which we bring down awareness of God for us in our everyday life. We say we, we live this way because we believe that this is what God wants from us. Right, but, that, but arguably, that would be just for us. If you're talking about universal values, so I thought you were saying something else. I thought you were saying that it would you understand that perhaps it would be our job as the safeguarders of the, of morality to to basically try to disseminate ideas of how to keep consistent with those original values so for example if the world thinks euthanasia is a wonderful thing um judaism needs to lift up its head and say no this is murder mm-hmm. right and it has to teach the world that this is this is not something to be trifled with you're committing murder. And if people commit murder, then the fabric of society will start to fray and uh, we're gonna go down uh, you know, a pretty awful path. And people start killing each other with all the greatest excuses in the world. Um, so, so yeah, that's, a, that's interesting. That's an that's a, that's a interesting thought of like, basically what is the, 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 the function today, even after all the dissemination of these morals and ideas in the world of the Jewish people, and that would be to, to be like the guardians of the consistency of the ideas of, the, of, these, moral, of these moral issues. That they stay, that they stay in line. Because again, right. you could introduce an idea and then let it take flight and then it becomes right. all kinds of different things. Right. Providing was- it sticks to the original idea. So the, the, to, to that I would just challenge you and say, are we doing that? Do we even have that voice? Mm-hmm. I'm saying, does somebody, are the people that are, that are, deci- are countries that are deciding on, let's say, issues of euthanasia, are they consulting with people who understand Torah and Judaism? And if they do, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like patronizing, you know, all religions, but basically they're going to make up their own minds. Mm-hmm. Which is the way most, you know, ethics committees and most hospitals and countries work. Right. 
they don't listen to any particular religion. They, they might be curious, but it's not like, oh, thanks for telling us what the truth is or what, you know, this tradition says. So it's hard to, let's leave this part of the conversation because I think this is interesting. Um, you know, the, to the extent that we can think about like what chosenness would mean today, even to the Jewish people. I think you could definitely say though that um, as a people, we're not living up to chosenness. I think that's a very big probable possibility. Um, I don't think that just because you were chosen that every, you're always doing things that are right. I'm saying the Torah is full of histories or, and stories where we get hit over the head because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And God says, I chose you, but you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. Right. Well, that is what uh, Christianity basically said and, and other religions, like, well, Muslims also said that, like, yeah, we're willing to concede that the story was true, but then you guys lost it. You had it, but you lost it. So you're, you know, the question is, how do you finish that sentence? Some, some groups that are much more radical say, well, you therefore you're damned forever, uh, you know, because how dare you, you know, you had such an exalted position and you messed it all up. Um, some would say something a little bit more moderate, but bottom line is game over for you guys. You don't have that role anymore. Right. Um, okay. I just want to get to the last point, which is the second point, which is also a major issue, which is um, why the chosenness? So if we go, go again back to this colloquial example in a classroom, if you're the teacher and you're choosing monitors to take different responsibilities, you're going to choose different monitors based on different uh, criteria, different reasonings, right? The, Right? So you're going to say, well, this person should be this because they're better at that. This person, if you're trying to run, run something efficient, if you have other reasons, of course, it could be some other reasonable reasons that have to do with more like the polis, the politics of the class or, or some other side ulterior motives that could make sense. But whatever it is, there's something to do. It has something to do with the, the person has something to do with the function and you're trying to make the best match, right? The question is, why would any people be chosen? So the, if, if the Torah is saying that the, the Jewish people were chosen, what does it say about why they were chosen? And mm. the truth of the matter is, I've looked this over and over in different ways, and in the text itself, you're not going to find anything like satisfyingly fulfilling. You're not going to find it like, oh, now I see why. It's, it's more like, well, because you're the children, the, the closest thing to anything like um, of a reason is that, well, because you're the children of Avraham Yitzhak and Yaakov, whom I chose. Mm -hmm. So the patriarchs were those that were chosen. They were chosen, and you're, as their, as their progeny, are also chosen. Right, so what does that mean? Does that mean like, you know, protexia pituto? Like, what is that? Just because mm -hmm. you're the son... It's like today in the army, if, you're, if your grandfather served in the army, so the USAA will give you a policy. Right. You know, because, you know, or if you're uh, you know, in certain places in the world, you can get around with just because you're the child or grandchild. But what does that mean? Does that mean that we're chosen because of anything essential? Or it's, is that like, like a, a, a debt of thanks that God supposedly has to the patriarchs, so therefore he said that he's going to make a nation out of them? even though the people themselves don't necessarily 
right? It just happens to be biologically their children. Mm-hmm. So clearly, no, right? Because that's why the whole package of the way we need to act goes along with this package of this covenant. The covenant is made and the, cho- the choosing is, is done based on the people keeping the, and, and guarding and maintaining the values that for which God chose the patriarchs. God chose the patriarchs for this reason, that reason, the other reason, because of their justness, because you can find in other episodes of the Torah because of their uh, righteousness, right? Um, their, their rectitude, right? God chose them for those reasons. If you follow in their footsteps, right, then you will have the ability to also take the mantle and be, be chosen, just like they were chosen. Mm-hmm. So it is, again, um, based on um, attitude and action. It's not just But there's a, a limit for that. There's a limit, I'm saying, because once we decided to make the covenant with God, God said, this is now going to be your status, and because of this, you have responsibilities that you need to live up to. Um, and if you're not, you, then you get, you get whopped over the head for it because you took it. And even though right. you make a mistake, you're, it's still your role. Right. But so you that, can fail at your role, but you're going to have to take responsibility for that, and you're going to have to own up for that. Exactly. So we didn't pull out that part so much because it should be obvious, but the respo- with responsibility comes, um, comes consequences, <laughs> greater consequences, consequences that can hurt, that can reward, but they could also castigate. So, so yeah, um, it's not a walk in the park. It's, uh, it's very commensurate. There's no free ride. Mm-hmm. So that should also, you know, kind of calm the idea of people feeling that when if a person takes their chosenness seriously as being a, as being a responsibility, it's not about lording over. It's also, it's about, it's about taking their responsibility seriously because there are a lot of consequences to it. Okay, but that, that's going back to the original issue. But the question is why be, why being chosen? Why why being why the chosenness right why was anyone chosen so i'm saying the close just to 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 be as brief as possible is that the closest thing you can get to in the bible is the because because of the patriarch thing right (laughs) and the patriarchs the torah spends a lot of time expressing and telling us and narrating their lives as exemplary lives so we kind of get the idea, oh, I guess we need to emulate their lives in order to remain chosen, mm-hmm. so to speak, right? Or once God made a commitment to us because of the chosenness of the, the grandparents, of the patriarchs, so we're kind of like in it, and now we're committed to it, and now even if we mess up, we're still committed to coming back to the covenant because there were, at one point in time there was a covenant made, right? right? Which is the way we believe in the Torah ultimately. The only thing I want to point out, just in, in, in concluding, is that it's interesting to note that if, if this is the line of reasoning, so that means the patriarchs, we have to go back to the beginning of the patriarchs and say, well, why were the patriarchs chosen? We could say, well, they were chosen because they were excellent people. Okay, but if you look at Abraham, who was the first of the patriarchs, even though there existed many interesting and important people before, but the line of the chosenness started with Abraham, right? So the, what is the description of Avram? What do we even know about him in the text before he's actually chosen? 
which is the beginning of the sixth parsha, where God actually appears to Abraham and gives him a mission, gives him responsibility, right? He gives him a special mission, which he chooses him. So, Bacharta Bavram, like the Pasuk says, Atahu Hashem Elokim, Bavram. You are God, the God who chose Abraham. So, it doesn't say why he was chosen, really. We would have liked to have had like at least a paragraph description of like the things that Abraham was involved in and his wife, Sarah, were involved in so that he should be chosen. But we don't get it. We're not privileged to any of that. Mm. We have traditions, you know, extra textual traditions that kind of tell us uh, that he represented chesed and he represented, right, charity, etc. And there are certain places in the Torah a little bit later where God himself kind of gives Abraham a pat on the back for the things that he represented. But why not in the beginning? Give us like a little bit of a history so that we can know what we're getting into. So interestingly, one of the things that I like most about this is that the Torah always tries to show us a little bit of um, temperament in these issues, in these thorny issues. Chosenness is a thorny issue. So therefore, the Maharal explains that there's no precedent for what for the story of Abraham in terms of who he was, because you have to realize that we're talking about the chosenness from um, God. God chooses, it's not like the way you and I choose, right? So you have to put that in perspective. God chooses because God chooses. There's no precedent that's going to force the hand, so to speak, of God to mm -hmm. choose. So that's an important idea that kind of tries to put in balance the whole chosenness thing. Because if a person says, look, I've been chosen for A, B, C, D, right? So it's as if that like I created the chosenness, which in itself creates arrogance because I'm the arbiter of my chosenness. Mm -hmm. To which the Torah says, no, you're not the arbiter of your chosenness. God, perhaps in our own feeble minds, we can attribute certain things to these people that made them somewhat worthy of being chosen by God. But God is God, and God doesn't choose things for the way you see things only. There are considerations that go way beyond that you're not going to understand. So get humble, dude. Right? Don't think that the chosen, chosenness has something to do with something that you could totally fully grasp and therefore feel like you're the owner of your being chosen. You are chosen because of me. Look at what I did and look at what I got. That's not the way it rolls. So in and of itself, the Torah takes a safeguard to understand that chosenness is not about something that you are... You have to be humble and say, like, thank God, or thank... I'm thankful that I was chosen for a particular responsibility. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the idea of it being a responsibility and not a way to lord over other people. And on the contrary, if the job is being done, step aside. Let other people get involved. As long as the purpose is being fulfilled, it doesn't need to be you. That's pretty, that's pretty rad. Yeah, well, that's all we have time for today. All right. Well, a lot to think about. Um, and I also just want to, I guess, challenge um, us to really think about whether we're living up to the chosen status. I feel like that question really hit me. I was like, uh, I don't know how well we're doing here. <laughs> um, but yeah, lots to think about. So have a great week, everybody. Goodbye. And that's a wrap, my friends. We hope that our conversation inspired you and gave you something to chew on. 
please send us your feedback, questions, comments, topics you'd be interested in discussing, and even triggers so we can generate more relevant and meaningful conversation. You can contact us at fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. And we are wishing you a blessed week, and we'll catch you next time.